0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever, your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Dipanjan Chatterjee to discuss how the concept of gender is evolving and what that means for marketers and brands. Welcome, Dipanjan.
1: Thank you. Hi, Jen. Hi, Sharon. Hello, everyone. Great to be on.
0: So, Dipanjan, it definitely feels like more consumers are rejecting the notion of conventional gender constructs today. And I think, you know, in, in your research, you've pulled out a couple of data points that prove this point. So maybe you could walk us through some of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, around the corner um, lies a different worldview. And I think um, some of us see it, some of us don't, um, because we haven't turned the corner. Um, and all we really have is, uh, you know, a periscope of sorts um, to try and understand how culture is going to shift. And I think we have adequate data points to really point towards a tremendous shift that's coming, right? So um, I- I'll throw out a few data points here, but I'll kind of pull it back and bring it to life. Um the most of uh, the movement on the gender front really come from our younger consumers. So for example, 52% of millennials believe that gender is a spectrum, right? So let me take a pause and kind of deconstruct that idea. The traditional notion of gender is really around a binary, right? Um, There's a male and a female. Now there's absolutely no dispute that for the most part, we anatomically segregate into those two categories. You have to be a little bit more careful when you talk about gender. Gender is not the same as a sex category. What gender is, is a set of expectations and cultural norms that accompany each of the male and female binary constructs. Right. So for example, um, my daughter and I went to a restaurant, I ordered the salad, uh, she ordered the rare steak. When the person brought out the food who was not the waiter, he sat down in front of me the steak and sat down in front of her the salad, right? There's an expectation that I'm the person who would, is, is the one who would be ordering the steak and she the salad and so on and so forth, right? so the breakdown of the gender spectrum is the idea that there isn't a fixed notion of how a man should behave versus how a woman should but that really is a spectrum that connects the two um it's quite okay for a woman to like a steak it's quite okay for me to prefer my shirts in persimmon and seafoam right um they're doesn't need to be a rigid box in which men and women must live separately, right? So that's what is breaking down. So if you look at the um, at the data again, you know, 52% of millennials believe gender is a spectrum. 56% of our younger consumers, 13 to 30 years old, they know someone who prefers a gender neutral pronoun, right? So they don't Um, They identify as sort of they, them, theirs. Um, 56% of U.S. males in 2018 have used a facial cosmetic, right? So I can throw lots of data points at you. The best way to see for yourself how gender perceptions have shifted is to walk down the men's care aisle in Target, Compare it to what it looked like 10 years ago, right? If you took that stroll 10 years ago, you'd probably see razors, shaving cream, and some deodorant. Walk down the target aisle today, you're going to see under eye cream. You're going to see cuticle cream. Even the nature of products that we acquire reflects this change in what we believe about gender roles right so there is an abundance of such data that indicate that we are really thinking differently and we are not just thinking differently we are putting our money where our thoughts are and all of this really signifies a tremendous shift in consumption pattern which then will necessitate a tremendous shift on the part of brands in how they approach consumers how they market to them and how they build relationships
2: with them. Dipanjan, you mentioned the, the islet target as is a great example, which leads me to believe that there are a number of brands that are embracing this already, right? And making changes, whether it's to their product lineup or the way that they're messaging out to their customers or potential customers. Can you give us a couple of examples of maybe bigger brands that we know of and, and what they're doing um, to shift the way they're going to market or the way they're trying to connect with consumers based on this evolution of thinking?
1: Absolutely. I think it's a common misconception um, that this is a niche movement, that somewhere along the fringes that there are a few small brands um, that have adopted more of a gender-neutral approach. The reality is that there are plenty of well-established mainstream brands that have adopted it. If you look at product, right? So we just briefly talked about how the product selection has changed in the men's care aisle at Target. Think about the clothing, the apparel products that are available for children, right? There is a significant movement towards having gender-neutral clothing. Um, That is not to say that you, can't go in today and get you know the pink and the blue version of girls and boys clothing. There's plenty of that, but there are brands, for example, like Gap, who've introduced something called the Neutral Shop, right? So that's where you go in and buy clothing for your baby um, without a particular bent towards a male or a female aesthetic. If you look at apparel for adults, um, you know you see well H and M. Um, I believe across its entire children's line has adopted a gender-neutral approach. And even in its adult, clothing has introduced a variety of such options.
2: So those are great examples of companies that have actually introduced whole new product lines, um, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, Do you have examples of companies that maybe are sticking with their their bread and butter of of what they make and what they sell, but bringing it to market in a different way, whether it's in the way that they're advertising or marketing or even pricing or packaging?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So let's take, for example, um, how these brands are communicating to their audiences. In 2018, Coca-Cola ran a Super Bowl ad. Um, And in that ad, there's a particular line where they talk about how a Coke is for everyone. And they say specifically, there's a Coke for her and for him, and for them. And it's a fleeting moment that most people did not catch, but the them is a reference to a gender neutral pronoun, which is paired with a fairly androgynous face. And it was a fleeting moment that would really kind of define the age to come. Because when you look at a brand the size of Coke, they get to define popular culture to some extent. This was Coke's coming out in 2018 and acknowledging that their customer base had changed. Right now, many brands have sought to communicate the shift in gender perceptions, and it happens really along um, you know sort of different polarities. And to best understand that, you need to understand the global movement around gender perception, right? So if you take more traditional countries like India, um, where still there is a tremendous struggle um, to essentially liberate stereotypes around a women's role. In a market like that, Ariel, which is a, um, a detergent for clothes, it's a big PNG brand, kind of the equivalent of Tide. Um, in that market, it came out with a campaign that's called "Share the Load," um, really referencing the idea that it is both a man's and a woman's job to kind of share the load around washing. Right now, that seems fairly tame compared to what Sprite did in Argentina. You know, Argentina is uh, much more pro- progressive in terms of their outlook around uh, gender and sexuality. Sprite ran a campaign that shows a parent helping a transgender child dress and get ready for the pride parade, right? So there there are plenty of examples where brands have stepped up and communicated their recognition and their embrace of this new evolved gender worldview.
0: So Dipanjan, you just named some pretty big brands there but i'm sure there's a there's a whole population of brands who are like ah oh, this is not really relevant to me or even you began this episode saying hey some folks see this as like a a niche experience but it's not and so why are you recommending that brands really embrace gender fluidity at this moment in time so
1: i think it's going to be terribly important for two reasons, external and internal, right? Um, We already know that millennials comprise a significant portion um, of the consumption that happens in the market. We know that Gen Z is stepping in and at the younger end of the spectrum, they have tremendous influence in persuading um, their parents to make certain decisions, right? So, the worldview of the younger consumers is going to make or break the financial well being of brands, right? Let me give you a specific example. The luxury business has really been struggling to serve two different masters. There's the classic um, uh, Western European idea of the older consumer who buys luxury goods. And then there's sort of the emerging customers, many of them in uh, developing countries, most of them quite old. And it's been quite a challenge to balance both. One brand, the brand that perhaps has surpassed all its peers um, is Gucci. So Gucci has been tremendously successful relative to its peers in the luxury business because it's maintained a brand that's been extremely relevant to the cultural currents of its consumers, particularly its younger consumers. Um, it launched a program in 2013 called Chime for Change around gender equality. Um, it's, uh, it's run projects, one of which is called The Future is Fluid, uh, about gender fluidity, and so on and so forth. Um, the idea here is that Gucci realizes that it's extremely lucrative base of younger consumers think a very different way from its legacy base. And in order to remain attractive to this customer base, in order to build meaningful relationships, they have to operate essentially at the same wavelength. That's what relevance is about. So that's an example of why a, a, an established brand um, must, Make the right moves in the market to build the relevance that continues to endear themselves to their consumers. Now, we used Gucci as an example, but let's downscale it significantly. Look at a brand like Target, which is absolutely a mass brand, um, all embracing, um, low price points. Target has a tremendous commitment um, to a much broader worldview of gender. They took active steps uh, to remove gender segregation in the toy section of the store. Uh, In fact, the story also goes that in many stores, they had pink and blue shelf liners to separate the genders. They got rid of all of that. They have worked actively with their partners to introduce uh, gender-free, gender-neutral clothing in the stores. And they've also really gone above and beyond to accommodate uh, the the transgender community, um, despite a lot of pushback. Um, In fact, Target is probably a great example of really committing to something and standing by it. Um, If you remember some time ago, there was a lot of discussion around uh, bathroom usage uh, for the transgender community. And Target was one of the brands that said, hey, um, we'd like our customers um, to use whichever bathroom they choose if they're from the transgender community. And there was a lot of backlash, a lot of pushback from a variety of groups opposed to this idea. And what Target did, instead of back off, they invested 20 million dollars to really um, uh, you know enlarge the choices available, expand the restroom options so everyone could be served well, right? So the point here is we are talking about significantly large brands like Target, um, that practically touches the consumption behavior of every American, right? If brands like Target, have realized that it makes sense to shift their brand experiences, to shift their product selection, to shift their store design, to accommodate a broader gender worldview. There is a lesson to be learned here for all the other brands um, in what the right direction is to shape their experiences.
2: So I have to ask, though, because you've given a ton of great examples of brands um, embracing this this new world view. But if if I think about the the products and the marketing messages that are coming at me on a daily basis, I got to say that the majority of them have not shifted. I would argue to that worldview. And, and even I think early in the in the podcast episode, you mentioned Target, and you said something about think about the, the men's personal care aisle. So they that means that they even have such an aisle. So for all of these great examples of, of brand shifting, there's probably 10, 100 examples of brands not shifting. So I guess one, I just wanted you to comment on that. Like, where are we in that transition? And two, are we far enough? Is your opinion that all of that very sort of binary, gender oriented messaging, product branding, et cetera, should go away and embrace this? Or is there still a place for that? What is your perspective on timing in terms of where we are and where we should be?
1: Sure. Sure. I think um, the idea of a gendered offering will be around for the conceivable future um you are right that uh, while a lot of brands and among them major brands have uh, adopted this new way of thinking it still operates at the fringes right so let's about five percent of the overall brand experiences today probably accommodate a different gender perspective we can realistically see in the next five to seven years is that the idea of a gender free or a gender neutral expression will achieve at least an equal importance with a gendered expression. What you see today is this idea of gender neutrality completely overshadowed by a gender approach. I think in five years there will be recognition that there is a distinct third strain in which brands will want um, to cater to their customers. What what you will see right away though is you will see the elimination of certain noxious elements of gendering. Right. So, for example. Um, The Advertising Standards Authority in the United Kingdom in 2018 said that they would ban any ads that perpetuate harmful gender stereotypes. In 2019, they came along and banned their first two ads. One was from Volkswagen. The other one was from Philadelphia Cream Cheese. Right now, uh, the Philadelphia Cream Cheese ad was essentially a father with a little child and... um, he chances upon a, a conveyor belt of food in a cafeteria, and he gets so caught up with the food that he puts the child down, and while he's grabbing his food, the child goes off on the conveyor belt, right? Um, now, the act was banned because, according to the ASA, this promoted this notion of a, of a bumbling, inept father, uh, perpetuating a stereotype that men didn't know how to take care of their children, right? Um, so... There are other examples, but I think there are aspects of gendering which are detrimental to how we see things. And um, there are a variety of movements, some structural, like the ASA, um, and others that brands of their own volition are putting forth that will address these um, particularly negative aspects of gendering. And over the course of time, we will get to a scenario where brands will then um, build experiences that don't exclude a gender-free perspective, but include it in addition to any form of gendered expression.
2: So that makes sense. So it'll balance out at least over the next five years, which which feels realistic, at least. Um for sure it it also strikes me that that we're going to see a lot of failures or mistakes along this path of trying to do the right thing trying to embrace this but it um it, it not necessarily or not not necessarily executing all that well so can you give us a sense of um what do you say to cmos or to marketing leaders that are that are starting down this path how do they get it right what are the the secrets to success here
1: Yes, Sharon, you're absolutely right in that we are very early in the process. Um, In fact, whenever I have this conversation with marketers and CMOs, um, I always try to get into their head and try and understand how they would go about it because we simply don't have enough case studies of how to do it right. My perspective on this, which is often... um, You know, similar to comparable situations where we deal with very early stage technology, um, is to say, hey, this is when, if you do it with the right intent and with the right heart, you will be forgiven if you get it wrong. You know, people will applaud you for the effort uh, and they will expect that you turn around and do it right. Okay. So that's the first thing there. One shouldn't be reluctant to do this out of fear for getting it wrong, right? Now, the other aspect of it is I encourage CMOs to really take a very holistic, um, really what I call kind of a 360-degree brand approach to this, right, which is to say it is not sufficient for you to go out and communicate something and then not have the delivery to back it up right you must change the way you do business the way you deliver the brand to support this let me give you a few examples mastercard for example has been very proactive in this space one of the things that they are working on is called the true name initiative and this really stems from the pain point that if you are, for example, a transgendered individual, you go by a name that is not the one on your passport and perhaps on your driver's license, right? That creates many uncomfortable situations. So MasterCard is working with its partners to ensure that you can have what you consider your true name on the card. United Airlines has changed the way you book tickets such that you can now choose a gender X or unspecified, um, and that's a choice in addition to male or female, right? So as marketers, as strategists, as business leaders, look to understand how they should embrace a world where the gender neutrality will be equally important as the gendered aspect of what they deliver, they must understand how this new approach influences every aspect of their business and then develop appropriate experiences along those touch points. So what I tell every CMO is you need to do more than just go out there and communicate the message. You need to back it up with the delivery of brand experiences.
0: And it feels like the delivery of brand experiences is very much contingent on the employee experience right giving employees the tools to actually deliver those experiences appropriately because not everything is in a digital environment it's not just selecting your your gender when you're you know buying a plane ticket so is that part of this mix as well
1: we've really hit upon the heart of the matter here let me make it real with an example birchbox is a subscription service. You sign up, you pay a fee. Um, Every month you get a box and they used to have men's boxes and women's boxes. And I spoke to the CMO of Birchbox and she said, look, we didn't really want to dictate to our customers what to buy based on what gender they were. So they changed their offering into beauty um, and grooming. And it didn't matter if you were a man or woman, you could get either one. Um, They changed their offering, they changed their website navigation. And I asked her, Amanda, what what got you to this point? And she said, you know, really the change came from within. Our employees said that, look, this doesn't make sense. Um, We really don't need to segregate our offering along gender. Uh, because we can always give people the flexibility to pick and choose and buy what they want. Why are we imposing this gendered worldview on them? Right. So really, the, the impetus of this was born within the organization. And this is going to happen more and more. We began this conversation talking about how the consumer was shifting in terms of her attitudes or his attitudes or their attitudes. These are the same people who are the employees in an organization. Roughly half of the employees in most organizations are millennials. The Gen Zs are entering the workforce. This is what they believe in. And this is what they bring to the brands that they work at. And what they would like to see the brands bring to their customers is a reflection of the views that they hold dear. So I believe what is going to really be the catalyst that's going to drive acceptance of this idea beyond that inflection point are the employees who will bring to work with them this much more expansive worldview that we've talked about.
0: You've just unloaded a lot of information in this episode, and I think it would behoove us to maybe wrap up with a question of where should brands start if they're considering taking this on and embracing gender fluidity?
1: So there's one thing that brands have today, and they have so much of it that they don't know what to do with it. But that might provide a great solution to this, and that is data. So if you think about it, gender is a proxy. It's a proxy for how a person is supposed to behave. That fits with the notion of gender being a scripted cultural performance. But really, gender is a poor proxy, the remedy to which is data. If we have adequate enough information to be able to personalize one's offering, to personalize one's communication, if we are able to offer that personalization at scale across our entire customer base, why do we need to resort to gender? Why do we need to know if we know everything about you to develop the most optimal solution for you? Why do we need to know? if you're a man or a woman right so if brands can harness all the information and all the data that they have build upon those insights and bring to market unique offerings catering to that individual then they can illuminate this notion of gender from what they deliver great
0: thanks for joining us today
1: sure thank you my pleasure
0: thanks to Panjan. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.